We know that building and running a company is hard work and that its success requires great leadership. Because we believe people can achieve incredible things, we want to shine a light on those people who are improving their organizations. Join us as Core Talent's Laura King invites presidents, CEOs, and executives to share their stories on how they have transformed their business and implemented unique strategies to ensure its success. Welcome to Core Talent Connects. Here's your host, Laura King. Hi, Laura King here. Wanted to pop in with a quick announcement. We recorded this episode in late 2019. I want to give you that context as you're listening because you might be asking yourself why our general mood seems different. Our hope is that you invest these next 20, 25 minutes to reflect on your journey and where you are today to offer you perspective from great leaders in our business community. We're simply outstanding for being here. Before we get into the episode, I want to leave you with this quote from Dr. Stephen Covey. This is the single most powerful investment we can ever make in life, investment in ourselves, and the only instrument we have to which to deal with life and contribute. We are the instruments of our own performance. And to be effective, we need to recognize the importance of taking time regularly to sharpen the saw. Welcome to Core Talent Connects. We are here today with Matt Merrick. Welcome to the show, Matt. Thanks for having me. So I'm going to embarrass him a little bit and do uh, his, his executive bio. Uh, so Matt is accountable for leading all aspects of Further. He is the president and chief executive officer. Matt joined Further in 2016 after spending the previous decade at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Minnesota, where he most recently served as vice president product and marketing. In this role, Matt was responsible for product, marketing, innovation, digital, and consumer experience. Throughout his tenure in the consumer healthcare industry, Matt has held various executive leadership roles in product, marketing, sales, government programs, and commercial markets with experience in broker and consulting relations, sales operations, and sales technology. That is a mouthful. It is a mouthful. But what I really want to say, if you go to Matt's LinkedIn profile, I love how he sums up, he's got personal desire to connect good people and good ideas to make them better together. Personal summary, a lucky guy from small town USA who has a rewarding career and is surrounded by great people. All I true. like it. Thank you. So let's start today and, and um, just have you uh, perhaps give our, our listeners you know, a better understanding of you know, what is further and the story of how further came to be. What is Further? That's a question I get quite a bit. Um, so Further is a 30-year-old startup, which is a bit of an oxymoron, um, but, but I'll give you the quick background. So Further started off as a division within Blue Cross Blue Shield of Minnesota 30 years ago, administering flexible spending accounts. 
And uh, in 2004, they launched into the Health Savings Account Administration, or ARENA, um, doing consumer-directed uh, high-deductible health plan administration. And, and the name Select Account was then created. And as a result, Select Account was partially spun off or, or uh, moved out from being a division to being a company. And so they hired their own independent staff. And from 2004 until 2016, Carol Kraft led the organization, where she uh, took a focus on customer service, doing right by our members. And my experience with the organization is I had the opportunity to represent Select Account when I was the chief sales officer for Blue Cross Blue Shield of Minnesota, selling to organizations like Target, Medtronic, etc. Uh, in, in 2016, I took over the organization, and my my charge was to go grow the organization. We had a holding company CEO who said, Matt, I want you to grow the company, uh, to take the, the, the bones, the technology, and the infrastructure, and what we've done in Minnesota, and, and, and expand the reach to other Blue Cross companies and other members so we could serve them differently. We've been doing that over the, la- the past several years, and in 2018, we rebranded the company from Select Account to Further. And I'll pause for a moment and just say, um, that was really important for me. Um, primarily because I'm not a banker, and, and health savings accounts are health products. This is about helping members make better choices, better decisions. It's not about competing on interest rates and fees. It's rather how do we help our members with the best means or the, the by helping them make the best decisions with the means we make available to them. And so further is a, is a function of we never arrive. It's a function of our job is never done, and we have a job to help our members spend their money more wisely. Um, and so we've been paving a path to try and differentiate ourselves from the competitors, and, and I, I think it's showing up and, and paying off as uh, we certainly have accomplished quite a bit of growth over the last few years. Yeah, I feel like to the outside world, people are like, what is further? What is further? And, and you dig under the covers and realize it was select account. That's exactly right. right. We were formerly select account, and even some of the, f- the former select account people say, why further? And generally, we tell the story, and we 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 get down to the the proof points, and within a few minutes, they say, "Aha! Oh, that makes sense. I get it." So, how does this organization um, fundamentally look different than it than it did under Select Account? Great question. Um, in a lot of ways. So, so one, what I would say is we still have obviously the same culture that we had previously, which it was a culture focused on customer service, white glove, preeminent customer service. How do we ensure we help our members so that they can succeed, thrive in life? Uh, what we've done is taken that and we've grown quite a bit. So when I started, we were 168 uh, associates. We're now over 400. Um, and that's in how? <clears throat> at about 36 months. Maybe. And so we've grown pretty pretty quickly. Uh, we took what was uh, an organization that served and supported one Blue Cross plan, um, and we now have added six additional Blue Cross companies. So if you think about it, we've basically taken all of our technology, moved it to the cloud, rebranded the company, launched a new mobile app, uh, stood up six new Blue Cross plans that we'd never done before, opened a new uh, call center in Orlando, and tripled or quadrupled the size of the company by way of measures, and so we look a lot different. <laughs> Absolutely, um, and it's exciting. I think the energy is really high, and um, I, I think part it's it's because of the leadership and the team and the work we're doing. Part of it's also we have associates here who need our help just as much as as the the rest of Main Street, right? Where I think our industry was serving Wall Street, the healthy net. Uh, wealthy institutional investors. We try and serve everybody, recognizing it's the people that need us most that we can help probably the most. Right. How crowded um, 
again, this is not my industry of expertise, but how crowded of a marketplace is it? Incredibly crowded. There are, um, so by some counts, there are over 2,000 HSA administrators uh, across the country. Many of them are third-party administrators, meaning they rent technology from someone, they partner with a bank, and they place the deposits there, and they're, they're primarily a sales and customer service staff. Further does all of them. And so we have our own technology platform. We do white label and branded for our competitors. We also are non-bank trustees, so we invest the assets. And then we own our own customer service staff, and we also outsource that to others. And so there's only a few in that space that operate like we do. Uh, And by way of national size, we're the eighth largest in the country. I know one of my one of my questions um, as we you know, sat down and thought through um, our, our time together was really, you know, really describing what those pivots um, you've taken as a business, and and maybe you have a have a fun story to go along with it, maybe not, um, to help kind of bring it to life for us. I think it's probably my favorite question um, because when you really sit down and you think about all the pivots you make in life, all the pivots you make in business, they're they're innumerable. They're they're, they're they go on and on and on. But if I were to Categorize some of the pivots that happened before I got here, but that that allowed us to allowed me to be able to be the lucky guy in this seat and get to do what we do. Um, you move from a division inside a company to a standalone company. It's no small thing, right? You know, operating as a division versus getting some freedom and having to stand up capabilities and and find your own resources and procurement and while leveraging still some of the shared services capabilities, but it's a big shift. Um, we moved from an independent, call it regional, local player to a national player. No small thing. We moved from uh, an industry that has been selling for 14 years on interest rates and fees to talking about spending money more wisely. That's, a, in, in my opinion, a big and dramatic change from the space we've been. And it resonates with the health plan buyers, the, the executives that almost came from seats that I was in, which is, it's hard to displace someone on a, a de minimis interest rate or a small fee, $2.50 versus $2, um, when it's really about the value we bring our clients. Uh, and, and matter of fact, I still think some of our competitors are hanging on to the interest rate and fee conversation where we're trying to show up that uh, 60% of our members are spending down their, their account on an annual basis, and those are people we can help rather than the people that just set it and forget it, put it in an investment account. I think the last one is is really it's 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 um, you know talking about the, the the markets we served when we were here in Minnesota primarily we certainly had national account players but Minnesota was our sales arm um, and so we did a lot of work in the small and mid market space recognizing we could help them small and middle market uh, employers add more value to to their services and and now we've expanded the suite so we do national accounts across the country we do individual small and mid-market which forces you to introduce new capabilities technology service models heck even a new call center so um, mm-hmm. and, and there's a big pivot for us by way of the next transition and I think that is uh, as we move into 2020 in the future we're extending our capabilities to go beyond just answering the question. If someone calls and asks about what is my balance, what is my deductible, we recognize there's a need and how do we help that person? How do we offer, call it care extension services um, to move beyond just the technology we offer, but scheduling appointments, helping them find the best place to seek service, helping them when they need it most. So you're, you moved uh, from partnering with more small and medium-sized companies to now 
larger Fortune, call it 500? Correct. Okay. Correct. We Yes, we, we've always partnered with Fortune 500 companies, um, but in certain spaces it always came through the health plan. So sure. we have a relationship with Blue Cross Blue Shield of Minnesota. We also have parts of the market, call it California or Utah or heck, anywhere on the West Coast or in different parts of the country where we might not have a, an intimate Blue Plan relationship and we still have national account relationships there. I would, I would say uh, just in my experience working with a lot of small businesses, we'd like to see more HSAs available in small business. <laughs> it, it's, it's funny. Minnesota is a really unique market. Um, the adoption of health savings account in Minnesota is, is the highest of anywhere in the country. We like to believe that's because there's really strong competition and the cost of care, you know, while it's rising everywhere, the quality of care here has generally been really good. Um, I, I also like to believe there's a strong broker community in Minnesota uh, who are really well versed on these products and the companies that have been competing here have long put them in front of them. Sure. There are other places, uh, call it the, the mid-Atlantic region, where that's been a direct sales market. Their adoption of HSAs has been far lower. You're talking 5 to 10% of the population has actually adopted it. And so I, I feel your pain. We feel it nationally. Interesting. Okay. What, uh, Matt, is the least glamorous part about being a leader of a new brand in the marketplace? I'll answer the question in two ways. Um, one, any time you rebrand an organization and you're, you're trying to change the way people talk about it or show up differently, you have the naysayers, right? So when you think about the, the way these products are bought and sold, they're often bought and sold through consultants and brokers. And uh, they they've been around the block for a long time, and they think, oh, you're you know you're just trying to change the name, change the conversation to show up differently, and then you have to prove it. And so, a big part, uh, or you know, one of the the least glamorous parts is trying to prove it, prove that we're different. So it's not just the name change; it's rather how we serve them, how we work with them, and ultimately how we're different than our competitors. Albeit, I think that's kind of fun. Um, the truly uh, least glamorous part of, I would say, almost any leadership role, including this one, um, and it's not to be negative, it's rather aligning the stakeholders behind the scenes. It's, it's when you recognize that stakeholder alignment is critical to success. You spend an inordinate amount of time and energy and resources getting board members, constituents, uh, clients, etc. aligned on where you're at and where you're going. And I've found that the more time and energy you put there, the higher propensity or high likely, higher likelihood you have for success, albeit at times it can be exhausting. Um, and so I, th- I think that's probably the least glamorous part of it. I was going to say, so we, we were talking ahead of time, and you have an eight-year-old and five-year-old home. Uh, have they seen less of you over the last 18 months? No, it ebbs and flows. I, uh, I, I had, a, uh, I had a, uh, a role early in my career where I traveled six days a week. Uh, and so I, I have a, a, one of my favorite quotes is, reality less expectations is happiness. And so I feel like I've gotten better at setting expectations. And so I'm, I'm generally only gone two nights a week, which means I have you know five dinners with my family. My kids get to see me. And I, I, I like to hope that it also makes me a better dad so I'm more present while I'm there, recognizing that when I'm gone, uh, I don't get a chance to be with them. And, and it's, a, it's a gift to be able to be a parent, uh, as we were talking about earlier. So no, I... I, I I think I'm traveling a healthy amount, but it's also, uh, I have a really healthy work-life balance. That's amazing. On the flip side, what is the, I don't know, this wasn't a question we talked about ahead of time, but I'll put you on the spot. What's the best part of your current job? Hands down, Barna, the best part of leading further is is culture orientation. 
So we're a growth company in growth mode. We've been fortunate enough to be well-funded, well-positioned in a space that um, I would say was a little bit commoditized. And we have a vision that's different collectively as a leadership team. And, and we have a leadership team that's pretty well aligned. I like to say it. At, at the heart of almost every single leader on our team, they're problem solvers. These are people who are excited about improving things, and that's kind of core to our name further, right? None of us rest. We realize that life is a learning journey. And so as part of it, we've been able to inspire and instill confidence in the team, and, and I don't want to say bring them along, but hire people that are culture additive and are making us better, and you get to see the transformation from what it was to what it is. It's kind of why I like do-it-yourself projects on the weekends because you can actually see your work when you're finished, whether it's doing the leaves, which isn't fun, to um, maybe doing some sort sort of home renovation project, anything from painting to building, et cetera. And, and I think at heart I'm a builder. I could build a new house every six months, move into it for a few weeks, and go out and build a new one. Um, <laughs> But I don't think I would be happily married then. Well, how how about even just when you sit down with, um, so I know, you know, let's just say uh, a new hire. But actually, no, let's say you're in the interview process. How do you assess if they're going to be a good culture fit? Oh, having just gone through this, um, what I'm most interested is, so, so first of all, passion and energy. So where is their passion and energy? Are they here for the right reasons? Do they do any homework about the company? Um, what are they bringing to the table that's unique? And then trying to assess what type of leader they are. are, are is, is this a person that develops people, that coaches people, that partners with people? Are, the lead, are they the leader that I might want to work for, that I believe others will want to work for and will help us add other great talent? Um, or is this someone that's just seeking a job and there's nothing wrong with that? But um, I, I like to say I want to see personal missions show up in an interview. And, and when it does, it's really striking, and, and I think it's easy to tell. Now, it doesn't always mean that it's culture additive and it ends up being a fit, um, but I think that's kind of, you know, there's a lot there. What is the most practical piece of advice that you've received about running a business? I heard this about a month ago, and so I'm stealing it from someone else, but I think it's so inherently true, which is things are never as good or bad as they, uh, as you may believe them to be initially. So, you know, restate that. Um, initially, you believe things are either going to be really exciting or really terrible, but as a leader of a business, you come to find that time sues everything, right? A day, a week, a month, and you come to realize that... Um, what something might have been something to celebrate in the moment, you realize it might have been a lesson to learn. Um, and so I, I've someone who's really excitable, and I am. Um, I have to temper that. I don't get down and out very easy, um, but I might get really excited about a vendor or a product or a prospect, and I I, I realize I, I need to temper that because it's just better. Mm-hmm. Do you have people around you, other other leaders that help? Uh round you out that way? We have a really diverse leadership team. I would say our chief growth officer and I, uh, he's he's far more high energy than I am. Uh, everything, you know, he's, he's if you have a hammer, everything is a nail. Um, he's excited about everything. What I'd say is our COO and our CIO are very pragmatic and help us along. And then we have a chief strategy officer who's a blend of that and a okay. CFO. So it's a it's a healthy dynamic. Um, I, I don't think uh, w- we certainly don't have uh, all all too much of one personality. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. What about um, on the flip side of that? What's the maybe the piece of advice or the most 
practical piece of advice that you give out to others most often? Well, so here here's advice I, I I generally try and give to people, um, but it's only after sitting down with them and getting to know them a little bit, right? Which is the way you open the call or the the conversation here, which is to connect good people and good ideas to make them better together. That is my personal desire, and what I'm always trying to figure out is helping people find their own personal desire. How do I help you unlock and unleash the things that get you most excited, that put you in the place of gratitude, you know, most frequently. And, and what you come to find in a lot of conversations, especially people that are seeking you out as a mentor or, or leadership advice, is what is it going to take to get promoted? What is it going to take next to get that next job? And in those spaces, it's not so much one line like things, are as good, things aren't as good or as bad as they initially appear. It's rather a conversation around question, which, which is why do you want to be in leadership? What is it about that job that's going to make you more excited? It's going to stretch you, help you grow, help you you know reach new limits. And I think that's the conversation for me that that is more rewarding than just sharing with you know a list of thirty five quotes that I might have read. And what's most fascinating over the years I've come to find is a, a lot of times leadership is just because it's the next thing. It's not because they want to lead. And that I found over time leads to uh, either a really healthy debate or a disappointing conversation at times because I you know you might not be able to get through to that person, and it's not my job to do that, but to create awareness. If someone were asking, so I don't know that that's a, a one liner you're going to steal, but <laughs> or be able to use. But mm-hmm. it is a function of, um, you know, I I think I took a different approach in mentoring early on than I do today, which is uh, I want to build a personal relationship and build trust, and realize that over time I might be able to help that person. And if we do that up front, we learn about each other personally. And I kind of apply that same thing with leadership uh, as I get to know team members. It's a when I give trust, they receive it, they'll give it back. And then later on, when you do give advice or you say something that might be meaningful, they might believe it more than they would otherwise. Right, right. But yeah, you strike me as someone that you don't take anything necessarily always at face value. You kind of want to go a layer deeper. Well, I think there's a lot to it, right? Um, we've all met people who, and, and, and maybe I'll say it this way rather than picking on any one person. Early in my career, I I, uh, I was responsible for hiring a, a really fast-paced division at United Health Group, and uh, we had to hire over a hundred senior sales executives, which meant I think I interviewed seven hundred people in six months. It was morning to night, and what you came to find at the end of all of it is we were doing the the debriefs and 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 looking back on best practices and where we had successes. You come to find that it wasn't as much on us, and, and it's not to say that we we weren't great at what we were doing, et cetera. But you come to find, especially in sales, salespeople are really good at selling themselves. And so if you don't go a layer below and time doesn't warrant it, you might miss those character opportunities or the connection or the trust building bond moments. And uh, I think that was it for me, which is uh, I don't I don't ever want to be made a fool. Uh, and it's not because I don't want to be embarrassed. It's rather a, I want to build long-standing trusting relationships. And that matters most to me. And so that's where we'll take time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So did you imagine you'd uh, be in the seat? I mean, if you think back to what you wanted to be when you grew up? Funny enough, um, there's I think it's a Liberty Mutual commercial, which is uh, there's a bunch of little kids. One's in like a fire costume, and he's like, when I grow up, I want to be a fireman. And then they go through, I want to be a policeman. And at the end, they say, when I grow up, I want to be a middle manager. And it's a kid in a in a oversized sports <laughs> coat. And uh, maybe when I was younger, I thought I wanted to be in middle management. But what I tell you is uh, I I long sought to either uh, start my own business or run a business. Um, 
And 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 I think part of it is uh, from early age on working and and even heck leading a business before I was legal to work. <laughs> um, I've seen the opportunity, but also the impact. I like creating experiences for people, and I think that's what we get to do here at Further. Um, and and so, the honest answer kind of sounds silly. But the answer is yeah. I um I, I I love everything about that goes into the leadership, and it and it's that includes the hardest lessons you learn along the way, because um, I think it helps you make you a better person, right? What about if you had to forecast? Not that anyone has a crystal ball, but if you were to look into your industry further five years from now, where are you at? Two ways to answer that. One by way of size, right? Um, I think we will continue to rack up the wins and continue to grow as an organization and we'll be much larger than the eighth largest uh, uh, player in the industry. And there's also some consolidation happening. And so we'll be fortunate for that. More importantly, um, what I'd say is a trailblazer. So we can measure it by impact. And I think we'll continue to have more and more impact on our members, and that's the real way that we should be measuring it. My hope for the team as I, as I took over three and a half years ago, I said to them, we'll know we have arrived when they, we're no longer measuring accounts and assets under management by way of size and success, but rather it's how we're helping our members when we think about how do we measure impact. Uh, my hope five years from now, whether that be 2024, 2025, which is incredible, um, will have turned the corner on impact. That would probably be most satisfying to me. All right. Well, if anyone wants to get in touch with you personally or learn more about Further, where should they go? Uh, two places. So, well, three. <laughs> uh, you could go to LinkedIn, and uh, I'm certainly available there, and I'm very responsive. You, you could call me on my office phone. I'm not as responsive there. Uh, uh, and it's 651-662-6195. <laughs> And then you could you could uh, ping me on my email, which is matthew.merrick, M-A-R-E-K, at hellofurther.com, and I'll certainly respond. All right, so moving into the lightning round, Matt, what's a book that you've read in the last five years that you recommend to others? So the, so the book that I read... That uh, was probably the most profound in the in the last few years out of all the books I read was Essentialism, and and I'll 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 try and be really brief when I say this. Uh, it it was handed to me by another pragmatic leader, and I opened it up and page through it on a on a plane, and you know it felt like ten minutes later I put it down, and I felt like oh my gosh I'm an essentialist. It's really focusing on the things that matter most, and you can cut out the waste. And you think about, you know, are you an active participant in a meeting, or are you a passive participant? Are you making the most of your day, the most of your time? And even the the point of um, priorities. Essentialists don't believe in priorities. It's a singular word. It's your priority. What is your number one priority? Is it your family? Is it the project at work? Um, after I read the book, I put it down and thought. I, I, I'm, I'm convinced I'm, a, I'm an essentialist, and, and I absolutely loved it. So I bought a whole bunch of them and gave them away. And nice. The, the interesting part would be is if I asked those people that I gave away whether they really loved it as much as I did, um, that I think I'd probably find that more, more interesting. Good deal. How about uh, what is your favorite app Ooh. and why? My favorite app is is a company and an app. So um, I absolutely love Peloton. It's not a shameless plug for a company that I have no ownership interest in. But I, I I bought one of their bikes several years ago. It was actually for my wife. Uh, she wanted it, and so we bought it. And I was a little bit more of a runner than a, I've never been a cyclist. And I thought, oh, I'll get on every once in a while. But the the best part about the app is over the last several years is it just keeps getting better. 
the content is better, the programs are better, the everything. And 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 now with the community, I find myself, uh, you know, engaged in friendly competitions with my friends, and we have uh, two colleagues here uh, on the senior leadership team who both have. Uh, Experienced incredible life transformations on the bike. They, uh, they they've lost an incredible amount of weight. They, they're both claiming they're the hef- healthiest they've ever been at their current age, and it's it's really awesome. Uh, so I'm I'm impressed. You promise you're not getting paid. No, I'm certainly <laughs> not getting paid. Although I, I I will say I think I've referred six or seven people now to getting the bikes. Yeah, and they will send over some sort of like a a, a gift for referral. Again, like you get a. a a water bottle or a shirt or something, but I'm not interested in the Peloton apparel. What's a what's a fun fact people would never guess about you? Oddly enough, I've been stabbed in the back by scissors. Your your face tells it all. Wow. When did this happen? <laughs> so when I was seven years old, um, I, I was a uh, you know call it a, a creative seven year old getting ready for my my you know Sunday night bath and I decided I was going to build something I think it was a car bridge to go over the over the over the tub and I had taken a piece of duct tape and was going to tape it together and I was leaning back in my chair I had, must have taught myself this was cool you could lean back in the chair and as I cut the tape it flipped up in the air and I landed on the scissors um, thankfully, it, you know, it, it missed all the important organs and all that went into it. But I got to spend a you know a while in the hospital oh. and go through and 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 it's not as big of a deal as an adult. Other than the fact that I I early on taught my kids how to walk with scissors, right? Absolutely, you um, will do that. Mm-hmm. And then secondarily, it raises the same face when you say it to people like you've been stabbed in the back by scissors, and it sounds funny, and and it's true. So that's oh, all. Oh, good deal. Uh, and then finally, what time do you wake up in the morning? Are you an early riser? Five forty-five. Okay. It was a little bit earlier when when we had our firstborn because he's a little bit like dad and doesn't sleep, but he's actually learned to sleep a little bit, and so I still can stay up a little bit later and get up and get a workout in. And folks, uh, Matt Matt actually lives in Wisconsin, so he he admitted to me that he is a Packer fan before the show. Absolutely. And so he holds a very special place in my heart since I'm from the Milwaukee area, which makes us probably enemies to most of our most of our current listeners, but just another fun fact we'll add in there. It'll be an exciting game later this year when the Packers have to travel to beat the Vikings. Yes, indeed. Well, Matt, can't thank you enough for your time and your your wisdom uh, that you shared with us today. And uh, um, all the best to you and the team at Further. Likewise. Thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for joining us on Core Talent Connects. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on your podcast app and share this episode with a friend or colleague. Hi, I'm Laura King from Core Talent. I'd like to invite you to visit coretalent.com to learn more about how Core Talent accelerates business growth through people. That's C-O-R-T-A-L-E-N-T.com. And if you're interested in having me speak on a panel or at your next event about the evolution of recruiting, modern workplace culture, retention, or employee engagement, please drop me a note at lking at coretalent.com or ping me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.